Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello, everyone. Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and I always love when you can join us because I believe this show has something very, very unique. Not only is it creating a social movement of individuals awakening into their divinity, but I think it also carries a kind of an energy of who comes on this show. They're doing something good. They're really doing a lot of good in the world. And today we have the fortune of interviewing Christian Northrup, a very good friend of our good friend, Michael Loveniger. So stay tuned. We're going to have Christine on the line shortly before I get her on the air. I'd like us to go into meditation, something that we do really well here. And then we'll go into discussing with Christian. Okay, hold on a second. Take a deep breath. Om Shanti. the time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate but even while I walk and move around I can be in a meditative awareness which is awareness of the soul the original eternal imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. 
and let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? The Supreme Soul would think of you and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time,
this only joy It's the dawn of a new world today everyone that was Paul Lethniger called Be Love Track it was one of my favorite really and I hope you enjoyed letting go from my off the grid into the heart meditation CD you're on America Meditating Radio and I'm your host Sister Jenna today we have the fortune of having a chit chat with Christiane Northrup which I made a little blunder earlier Dr. Northrup is a board-certified OBGYN, former assistant clinical professor of the OBGYN at Maine Medical Center and New York Times bestselling author, which is where I know her. She is a visionary pioneer and the foremost authority on everything that can go right with the female body. Dr. Northrup is a leading proponent of medicine that acknowledges the unity of mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Internationally known for her empowering approach to women's health and wellness, she teaches women how to thrive at every stage of life. Dr. Northrup stays in touch with her large community worldwide through her internet radio show, Flourish, and social media. Her newest book, which we're going to talk about, is entitled Making Life Easy, A Simple Guide to a Divinely Inspired Life. She's also an invited member of Oprah's Super Soul 100 group, who in Oprah Winfrey's word, Oprah said, is uniquely connecting the world together with a spiritual energy that matters. Today, we're proud to welcome Dr. Christiane Northrup to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I loved your opening meditation. Just loved it. <laughs> yeah, I thought, well, oh, that's the whole point of the book, is that. Right. It makes your life easy, right? <laughs> yeah, because if you don't have that, you've got nothing. I mean, you're, gonna, you're going to determine the quality of your day by what the news has just told you. Mm-hmm. And what an mm-hmm. awful, awful way to live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you know what? There's another kind of news that I think we need to start to develop, the news within our own beings that's kind of giving us the real story of who we are and who we can be. That's right. And right. What, what's exciting to me is right. the power of an individual who's tapped in, who's tuned in, is thousands of times more powerful than those who remain with most of their power plugged into what the mainstream is telling them to think, telling them to do. So you're doing a wonderful service with this, with this alternative on the airwaves because mm-hmm. everyone listening can tune the dial to something like this. And when you do that, your entire physiology changes, and we have the, the science to prove that now. It's much more of a, a quantum type of medicine rather than the old Newtonian type of medicine. And 
you know, way, way back uh, in the time of Descartes, he was in conflict with the Roman Catholic Church. I think pretty much everyone was because they ruled <laughs> people's right. minds. And uh, so they made a deal, and the church said, okay, we'll take the soul, you get the body. And then what happened was in Western, the, the Western medicine that, that came about as a result is the profound split of the soul mm-hmm. from the body. So I'm, I've been shocked my entire career, which has gone on a long time, that people right. who do things like the empowerment workshop or they meditate or they listen to your show, and then when they go to the doctor, it's as though they just forgot all that other stuff. And so suddenly they're booking a surgery or they're uh, taking a prescription for psych meds and they forgot all that other stuff. Wait a minute. So when it, we've been brainwashed, hypnotized, that when it comes to your body, all bets are off. Your body is uh, something entirely different, and it requires constant vigilance, lots of immunizations, drugs, and surgery. Oh, and by the way, over here, we're spiritual. When we (laughs) meditate. But but otherwise, when we're in the operating room or we're going for an MRI or we're having our blood cholesterol checked, that has nothing to do with your life or your spirit when, in fact, it has everything to do with it. You know, in our culture, it's so true in our culture, um, in, in Hinduism, a lot of conversation comes up about a practice called karma yoga. Let me decode it. Karma is action and yoga is union with the one. And so the understanding of it is, you know, let your life become like a karma yogi, where as you're walking and moving around, your inner world, the soul, has an experience or is connected to the qualities of God. Whilst you're in action, then you're really making a positive difference in the world. And Christiane, I have to tell you, this morning in my early morning meditation, I was up today from 2.30, and I have to tell you the whole of the Trump family emerged in my consciousness, and I just kept whispering in their ears, please know you have so much power at the tip of your fingers. You could do so much good with what you have. Please get on your road to Damascus. Please, you can do good. You have it in you. And it was such an interesting feeling just to feel that I really, really meant that like really wanting to bless them because I can't see how any energy can survive the negative vibrations that's going so much towards that entity, that whole vibration of people. And in some ways they're like, I don't know why people are so angry. You know, you will hear from that side of the fence, like what's wrong with everyone? Why are they so nasty? And then you're realizing that there's just something in the consciousness that's not clear. Like there's something there where there's smoke, there's fire. But yes. everyone has their chance, their road to Damascus. Like everyone has an opportunity to turn things around, especially when you have a lot of... That is exactly correct. That is exactly right. I watched Arrival the other night. This is the movie with Amy Adams where she mm-hmm. plays a linguist and she's called by the military to please try to translate the messages from these 12 mm. obelisks that have landed on Earth. And the whole thing revolves around her ability to communicate and this this one scene where she gets through to the leader of China and gets him mm. to change his mind. It's very much like what, what you're saying. Just gets him mm. to change 
his mind. It's a fascinating movie about the power of the individual once we change our minds. And I know that that meditation you did this morning, just sending positive energy. I, I know from my work with Robert Fritchie, divine love is the most powerful energy on planet Earth. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. has documented cases of addictions being gone in three days, uh, pancreatic mm-hmm. cancer gone. When you tune into this real power, which we've been told we don't have. And so you were using that power. And it mm-hmm. takes, I, I think that the negativity feeds the monster. So Definitely. I really truly believe this. And when you are co-opted, by the darkness, by negativity, by helplessness, hopelessness, victim mentality, all of that, then you literally are becoming part of the problem. It takes enormous courage Mm -hmm. to stay positive, to stay in the light. It is so much easier to go negative. It's so much easier. And what, what do we do in mainstream culture? Anything that is staying positive, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, is considered naive. Uh, If you really knew what was going on, you couldn't possibly be living a good life. You would join the rest of us down here in the hole where we're complaining Mm -hmm. and being powerless. And when you stand as the light you are, you are then changing the collective. And Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of what we've been taught. Yes, uh, yes, that's so true. So now, you know, let's get towards the book because I think we do need some tips on how to make our lives easier. But (laughs) where were you, where were you in your life, if you can recall, when the pen hit the paper and what was emerging was this whole narrative of making life easy? Because it's a different departure from your other book. Well, it isn't, actually. (laughs) Okay. It it, it (laughs) looks like it is. I mean, yes, to any casual observer from another planet, it would look like a total Uh departure. What it was is me coming out of the closet and telling people what I had always known, what I had always believed, and we're going to change the subtitle when it comes out in, in paperback because the word health needs to be in there because I have in here, you know, a guide to a divinely inspired life. You will not have permanent, vibrant health unless you get the message of this book. And the message is, starting right with chapter one, you are a divine being temporarily living in a human body. So if death is always the enemy, if disease and germs are always the enemy, you will live your life awash in adrenaline and cortisol. And adrenaline and cortisol will, over time, mess up the balance between your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems, uh, change the way your blood sugar and hormones are metabolized, and lead to susceptibility to all kinds of what we're now calling mystery illnesses, Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, chronic Lyme disease, all this other stuff. And what is necessary is a connection to the soul, spiritual part of yourself where there is great power. So this book is what I would call, you know, women's bodies, women's wisdom, the wisdom of menopause, what's really going on. Like, or what, the, 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 uh, the switch that you really need to turn, and which, because of what I said about Descartes and the Roman Catholic Church, we have been talked out of for centuries. Don't go there. I mean, imagine, I remember the first time in the operating room when I asked the anesthesiologist to please 
talk to the patient and do some affirmations as the person was going under anesthesia. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the operating room turns into an inner sanctum. It becomes holy. And very, very often, the staff has trouble with that. Because when you you know, and we have studies Mm -hmm. that show this from the mainstream medical journals, that a patient under anesthesia hears every word on some level is conscious of everything that's gone on. And when you know that, things can get kind of sobering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so much easier Mm -hmm. to just play the rock and roll music and, and, you know, be like the cardiac surgeons on TV. Okay, I hear that. I hear that because I remember when my dad was in coma, he passed away, but also many times um, my mother has had many surgeries. And it's as if the soul is at its most sensitive state of actually listening. Because the senses, the senses, they're not distracting the soul from its essence. So it can actually hear things deeper than it has ever heard before. So I totally accept and believe that. I remembered specifically my grandmother, my dad, and so many, like when they were in the coma, they would just move. When I would talk, I would just know they would hear. Yes, but they don't. They don't hear, as you said, in in the regular waking state. No, subtly they feel the intention, the vibrations, the sound is different. It, it's soft. The message is soft. But they could hear everything that's going on, can't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we yeah. know that. Now, you 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 generally have to put someone in a hypnotic state to remember. But uh, let's say that someone has made a nasty crack about a woman's weight or something of that Mm -hmm. nature. She may wake up feeling very, very depressed. Possibly the worst case I ever heard of happened with a friend of mine, a doctor in Texas, and she had a patient whose boyfriend had paid for her breast implants. And the boyfriend was invited into the operating room to choose the size of the implants. So they, Mm -hmm. even though she was intubated and unconscious, they would sit the woman up so he could see what size breasts he was choosing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. at the end of that surgery, what happened to her after that, and we we know obviously the surgery is just the tip of the iceberg, but uh, after that she became so depressed that Mm -hmm. the relationship uh, completely broke up. Now this has really, in a way, nothing to do with the implants, even though we have data that shows that women who have breast implants have uh, a rather increased risk for brain tumors. But I don't think it's, a, it's the breast implant that is doing that. It is yes, the vibration. Yes, the vibration and the reason that you had it. Because if you look right. at transgendered individuals and uh, individuals who are switching to become a woman, they generally love the implants. It like feels then in their body, there's a mm-hmm. wholeness to that that feels good. So it has to do with meaning. And right. so therefore, if, if people understood, all right, we know 90, probably 95% of our behaviors come from unconscious beliefs, and only the, the 5 to 10% of our behavior is conscious. And mm-hmm. the 5 to 10% of consciousness, though, is where dreams and uh, joy and desires come from. So we need to always make a marriage between 
the subconscious that's really running our lives right. and right. level that, which is, of course, what meditation does, and, and the conscious part of our brains. And many, many times the body, our health, is run by these subconscious beliefs. We don't even know that we have them. And your power lies in bringing that stuff to consciousness and then operating mm-hmm. from, from there. Okay, I have an important question to ask you, and it's really of, um, also quite personal, which is now public. <laughs> um, <laughs> as I grow into my own spirituality, it's clear to me that um, the effort of enlightenment to me is not some final destination as such. It is this quality of how you express your divinity your beauty, your goodness. And as you and I know, we have good days and bad days. You bump into the non-angel about you, and then you can go for a long time with the angel about you. But then there are certain seasons that you enter where the the whole effort of even um, attempting to continue to enhance whatever your interpretation of divinity is or spirituality or enlightenment, you get to a season you're like, nah, I'll just sit here under the tree and just eat mangoes. Let time pass. And so have you ever found that you get into the stage where it's like, okay, it's all right, not a big deal anymore. But, you know, what is this spirituality, enlightenment, keep striving, striving, striving for more? Sometimes you just want to sit and do absolutely nothing. You don't even want to feel like you need to change yourself or change the world. Now, knowing what you do know, it can be an interesting internal conflict. Any advice or thoughts there? Yes. I, yeah, I really, you know, it's funny. I, I thought a lot as you were speaking. We, all right, I did not bring up my two daughters in any religion. And I remember once my daughter said, you know, are we ever going to church? And I said, well, you're already spiritual beings, so I don't want to have, give you anything from which you need to recover. And, that you know that's how i felt at the time i think if you have a religion that's really supporting you that is fantastic no problem however i really don't think that we have to strive so much i think we just have mm-hmm. to in fact i mean how did buddha awaken he sat under a bodhi tree and mm-hmm. so i think we are already spiritual beings we just forgot so i would mm-hmm. do less i wouldn't i'm it's, it's interesting you say this I heard about uh, someone going to a meditation retreat, and they're up at 4 a.m., and I thought, no one's getting me up at 4 a.m. I mean, I've had so (laughs) many all-nighters. I've had enough for this lifetime. So one of my big spiritual practices is sleep and and long lunches outside Uh on, on the deck of my favorite restaurant whenever I can can do that, baths, reading in the bathtub. I think we can try, we can do less. Our entire culture is always based on you need to do more, more. be more. Um, My daughter has a a new platform, it's called Do Less, and Mm. talks about the difference between Kronos, which is the time on the clock, and Kairos, which is timeless time. And that when we can get into being present with time, and we know from quantum physics, that there really is no time, and time is relative to the observer. That's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. And so if we could become aware of the time that we spend that is incredibly rejuvenating, like just in the moment 
saying eating this raisin is mm-hmm. heaven. It, mm-hmm. I would say that less doing, more being is what we Western people could really use more of. Oh, yes. It's funny. I was having the same discussion, Sister Gita, about this, how, you know, spirituality sometimes might tell you about keep, you know, you got to be more, you got to be more. But I was really uh, emphasizing to her, just enjoy the moment. Look at how fortunate, you know, our lives are. Look at the small things, those small moments, because that's where the soul, I think, will enhance its capacity of its sentientness, its feeling capacity, because we want to feel, we want to have feelings of love and peace and purity and bliss in our day-to-day activities. And I think if we're we're void of those experiences, then we go to the extreme of becoming so physically driven to feel something, which is already there, but we're just not focusing. We're not focusing on the right area of ourselves. I think that is true. Also, there is a uh, a religious thing that has come down to many of us, the doctrine of original sin. I have a, mm-hmm. a niece who just had her first communion, and I was reminded that First communion also means first confession, and those <laughs> little kids are are often six years old. So you know, do you give them a list of sins? Okay, these will this will get you by your first confession. Just tell them, you know, make some lie up because how much sin could you have at the age of six? So I think that we each have that thing in us. Um, I remember the general confession. And I put this in in the book, Making Life Easy. Uh, I was about 11. I'm sitting in church. And the general confession is, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep, and there is no health in us. And I sat up in my pew, and I remember thinking, I am 11. I am not this bad. I haven't had enough time to be this bad. And so I believe that we have a particularly old soul, old soul empaths, have this belief that we have to do more in order to bring the light to the planet. And do you remember that old hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching As yes. Before? I mean, with of the course. crosses going, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, is that wow. ever? <laughs> so I think that uh, what all we have to do, and I'm increasingly aware of this, all we need to do is be who we are, and now here's a thought. It has been my experience that people who hold a lot of light, those of us who've probably been here thousands of times, so mm-hmm. we hold a lot of light, and we're the people that they pushed off the mountains, the shamans and the midwives, and we healed them, but they, you know, they <laughs> burned us at the stake. We come in, <laughs> yeah, we come in with a lot of light, but low self-esteem. <laughs> because we, you know, we never quite fit in. So we have this low self-esteem, and we go around. We've taken also vows of poverty, vows of chastity, vows of everything. Meanwhile, the vampire narcissists of the world see that and just use our energy. What if we turned it around and just stood as the light we are, and that was enough, and mm-hmm. that was enough. And and in yeah. the book, Making Life Easy, I do have a, a chapter on how your life will never be easy until you identify energy vampires in your life, the, the narcissists. And that's my book I'm working on now because I realize that it is the elephant in the living room that nobody talks about, which mm-hmm. is that there are people 
who are manipulators, who are just there to win, and they, yes. and they prey on people like me and you, mm-hmm. people who are mm-hmm. of such goodwill that we cannot imagine that there are manipulators out there who see us as marks. Oh, mm-hmm. this is someone mm-hmm. I can uh, get my narcissistic supply from for years. <laughs> you know, and meanwhile, we're trying to improve. Always, oh, God, he doesn't think I'm that great. Okay, I'll improve this. I'll improve that. I'll kill myself trying to be everything to everyone. Uh, Sandra Brown has written an amazing book called Women Who Love Psychopaths, and she has done amazing research showing that the women who tend to be most victimized by the darker personalities have super traits, responsibility, and taking on more than their share, and being practical, running companies, being doctors, lawyers. Not, mm-hmm. These are not codependent, poor, beaten, homeless victims by the side of the road. It's not what you think, and that excites me because, yes. you know, then I can say, oh, I see how this works. Yes. There is someone yes. whose intent is not for the light. Their intent is to get all the money they can get or all the sex they can get or all the cars they can get. They aren't where you are. They're not Mm -hmm. there, and that's okay. And you can love them. You can from afar, (laughs) but you need to be able to identify that not everybody is listening to meditation radio. Not everybody. I was listening to, I wanted to see Oh, that comedian on on Howard Stern on YouTube. And I turned on Howard Stern on YouTube, and I just couldn't watch it. I said, nope. Mm, Nope, Louis C.K., that's the guy, Louis C.K. What's Mm -hmm. interesting to me about Louis C.K. as a comedian is he has a very big heart. His daughters come first, and being their dad comes first in his life. So his level of goodness I can feel. The other stuff I can just feel, and I go, uh, no, I don't care how famous someone is. I don't care how good-looking they are. I don't care how big their platform is. There are a lot of people out there who don't have the same intent, and I yeah. finally learned that, and it's a, a big relief. <laughs> well, do you find that, like, you know, you're speaking to the choir. We're older souls. We've been around longer. And the other day I was at one of my favorite monuments in Washington, the um, Martin Luther King Memorial. And I was talking to everyone in the car and I said, where is his soul today? And does he feel that he hasn't fulfilled all of that? um, You know, he had millions of people looking towards his soul to help them to liberate. And is he feeling today where he is a burden or even a sensitivity of if he sees indignation of another on another, that it would hurt him. And the reason why I was asking this question is I feel so much when I observe the unkind behavior between human beings. Mm-hmm. And I have enough wisdom to know why it's happening. I know why it's happening. I know it's karma between folks. I know all the stories. Right. But yet right. I can't, yeah, like I can't help but accept, Jen. Are you carrying the weight of some part that you've played in the past that still you didn't live through it to see it fulfilled? 
And is it that you're still looking at what you still feel you were you were you were called to do, or if folks were looking at you to help them to make the difference? And it's a huge question I'm asking you because it's a so question. It is, and I'll tell you what I think for myself, and mm-hmm. that is, I've had lifetimes and lifetimes of, and lifetimes of being on in service to others. I had an evolutionary astrology reading with Deborah Dooley. And she said, your job now, the only way you can serve in any capacity that has any meaning is to follow the dictates of your soul. And what Mm. that means is spend time each day in something that just brings me joy. So when I was a kid, I always wanted to play the harp. And I was, in fact, classically trained as a, a harpist with a big gold harp. But I never played for the joy of it. I was drawn to it for the joy Mm -hmm. of it and then got into the way that uh, people are taught. And I always wanted to make music, just make music. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I bought a a small Celtic harp, which I can take outside. And now I just make music. I keep the harp on the way from my house to the garage. There's this little home office. I keep it there by the door. When I go to get in my car, I sit down and I play. When I come in with my packages and whatever, I sit down and play. So that I make, and I did something called process painting for a while where you just get some canvas and you put on some great music and then you just choose whatever color you're interested in at that moment and you just let the brush do this stuff. So it's almost as Yeah, I was unlearning. I've been unlearning what I've been taught about what it takes to Mm, enjoy yourself. Mm. And and I Mm. also learned uh, tango about, that's you know, you never (laughs) learned tango, but that's about eight years, nine years worth of lots of dance floor time and so on. (laughs) I found that truly harder than medical school. Because I bet it was. Yeah, all of one's vulnerabilities, right? Yeah, Yeah, all of your vulnerabilities, like, oh, my God, because when I was 12, uh, my dad was a great dancer, and uh, we're in the kitchen, and we're doing some kind of dance, and I said, how did I do? And in his scorpionic self, he said, well, you would do all right if it were dark and the guy were drunk. (laughs) Oh, my God, right? So there's a wound. So I would say (laughs) the courage to take your own detritus and make it into compost that brings you joy and maybe someone else. See, what's interesting is I always had to perform for my parents' friends with the harp, okay? You'd go to harp school and you'd learn, and okay, so now play for us. Now I make sure that the only one I'm really playing for is me. And if someone walks in, great, but I play for the butterflies and the flowers and the birds so that it's just a uh, lightening up of my own vibration, and I think that is all any of us is Have meant to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. We're talking to Christian Northrup, and we're having a real serious heart-to-heart conversation on her new book called "Making Life Easy: A Simple Guide to a Divinely Inspired Life." And I loved something Christian just shared about her daughter—that her new quote is "Just do less." 
And as you mentioned it, Christiane, I was saying, yeah, do less and feel more. That's what I really want to sign up for now. And as we move into, you know, coming to the close of our conversation, I think um, I would love if you could give our listeners a little bit of some tips from the books. You've already given a lot, but maybe one or two guide that we could really walk away with that makes our lives divinely inspiring. Right. Okay, so the first one is understanding the power of your breath. What we often do when we're under any kind of stress is we stop breathing through our nose. Mouth breathing is a stress response, and you'll often find yourself holding your breath or breathing through your mouth when you don't even know that your conscious mind has been taken over by the mainstream media or your subconscious mind. So I want you to do something with me now so that you can feel this, and I'm doing it as much to remind myself as you. All right. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath through your mouth. Let's just take a deep breath through our mouth. All right, and then just let that out. We don't want to go too fast because I don't want you to hyperventilate. Now what (laughs) I want you to do is breathe in slowly through your nose with a sense of relaxing and opening the back of your throat. So here we go, breathing in through your nose. And then exhale through your nose. Now what you notice there is the process of the slow breath with the back of the throat opened up is instantly relaxing. And when I say relaxing, it means that you have engaged the parasympathetic nervous system because by breathing through your nose, you send the air down to the lower lobes of your lungs. And the vagus nerve, the principal nerve of the parasympathetic system, courses through the diaphragm and gets stimulated as you expand the lower lobes of the lungs. And so when you do that, you instantly begin to change the beat-to-beat variability of your heart so that, that you are engaging the rest and restore or rest and digest part of the nervous system instead of the fight or flight. So you think of the deep breath as the break and the breathing through your mouth as the gas. So there mm-hmm. are times when you do need to do that, like if you're, at the, if you're doing a peak eight workout and you're doing, let's say, 20 seconds of as much exertion as you can possibly muster, but that's only for 20 seconds. Most people live their lives that way. So you have at your disposal this instant spa with just stopping and breathing slowly in through your nose, relaxing the back of your throat, and then exhaling, and that alone will do more good. And over time, believe it or not, I've had patients who completely recovered from their asthma by learning how to breathe through their nose. Mm, Wow. Yeah, so everyone's got that, right, because everyone breathes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly, and so simple. I get it simple. Make your life easy. Yeah, it's it's just simple. And then the other thing that I would have to say Uh, is go on a sugar cleanse. It's interesting that every 
chronic degenerative disease that we have, heart disease, cancer, uh, arthritis, all of it, is driven by uh, inflammation in the cells. And sugar is actually a toxin to blood vessels if you consume too much of it. So we know Mm -hmm. that your blood sugar is also going to be the last thing that goes up. Your insulin level is the first thing, and insulin levels rise 10 years before your glucose will even change. So if there's something that I wanted to give you that you really could take to the bank, it's get a fasting insulin level done and, and then adjust your diet accordingly because it will have an enormous payoff toward yes. the end. And there's so many things you can do that are absolutely delicious. Uh, David Ludwig down at Boston Children's recommends about a seven-day uh, thing where you don't have any sweetness, including stevia, and you will you literally do reset your sweet taste buds so that a wow. sweet potato or an apple becomes absolutely delicious. I've done this myself, so I, I you know, can attest to it. <laughs> you do know. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much. Are you going to be on a book tour soon? No, I'm not. What, what I'm going to oh. do, though, I'm going to do a an online course called okay. uh, Dodging Vampires. And uh, that was... <laughs> I love your title. <laughs> I know. I just decided, you know what, i got to go for this one. And so I'll be doing that. But my radio show is every every week on Hay House Radio. And I'm finishing up this other book on vampires and we're doing a course. And it's interesting that I haven't done a book tour in a long time, right? I mean, I used to do those all the time and now publishing has changed. And yeah. I do a lot on Facebook and Instagram and, right. you know, all of that stuff. Where I also, this is another tip for people before we end, uh, mm-hmm. make your Facebook page and your media presence a sanctuary. Do not mm-hmm. engage in debates and name-calling, and uh, you can find enormous nastiness on the Internet, or you can simply uh, delete comments, ban users, uh, you know, just keep your temple consciousness in your social media will help enormously. I'm totally with you on that one. I just, it's just not where I think we need our energies to be contributing more no. darkness to. No way, no way. No. Christiane, you've been a treasure and a delight, and thank you so much for joining us on the air. And please, if you decide to go on a book tour and you're coming into D.C., let us host you at our museum. We'd be honored to um, make it extremely special. Will there be no vampires in the room? <laughs> you just That's have wonderful. a ball. <laughs> so just wonderful. All right. Yes. Thank you so right. much. Very welcome. Many good wishes, and thanks for joining us on the air today. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So Oprah was right. She is uniquely connecting the world together with spiritual energy that matters. That was Christiane Northrup, and her new book is called Making Life Easy, A Simple Guide to a Divinely Inspired Life. And I'm telling you, I'm taking away do less quotation. And I know Antonia is going to be like, yay, boss instrument, but do less, but also feel more. I think that's the quote of the day. Do less and feel more which I think is essential. Hope I'll be seeing all of you out on Sunday, July 2nd, 
at 3.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the MGM Grand Ballroom as we celebrate 20 years of service um, with friends from the region um, and also with a very well-known Raj Yogi sister of the Brahma Kumaris, Shivani, will also be with us. I know seats are full, but please just register. Be on the wait list. We're working on magic to get things released and opened up so as many can be present and possible. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation today. I know I have. Feel free to visit our website at americameditating.org and support our work on the air. And remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we are here to love each other the same. So let's do that. Give a little bit more love in the air. Let's create a little bit more love in the air. And now it gives me great pleasure to introduce our lovely sister Gita, who's in the studio and who's going to read us a special little poem. Sister Gita? Greetings in Om Shanti. It takes loveliness to see loveliness. Taken from a pocketbook of wisdom, problems are simply challenges, waiting for solutions to meet them. The two are partners. Think with resolve that a solution will present itself, and it will. To be controlled by anger is to repress the soul's original qualities of tolerance and love. When you build a house, every brick counts. When you build character, every thought counts. You are what you think. You are love. Purity, peace, wisdom. The more you think of these qualities, the more you will emerge them. You will become that. Om Shanti, wise one. Thank you so much, Sister Gita. As usual, you touch our hearts. We would also like to thank the Arco Iris Foundation for supporting our show today. They're doing incredible work. Many good wishes, everyone. Over 30,000 homeless children live in the streets of La Paz, Bolivia. Most of these children live on the bridges and cemeteries or wherever they can find shelter. They eat whatever they can find, steal or beg. Father Joseph Maria Neuenhofer, a German priest, has dedicated his entire life in helping these children. For the last 23 years, Foundation Arco Iris, founded and led by Father Neuenhofer, has helped thousands of these children in providing shelter, food, education, and medical care through the Foundation's hospital. For more information and to donate to Foundation Arco Iris, go to www.arcoirisamerica.org. Here is Kristen Hoffman, her latest track, Love and Gratitude. Take care. <laughs> 